I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internals, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, a woman's work facilitator, mentor, and coach, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment and leave a review as this is how you can help us reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. The Natural Birth Podcast also has a Patreon page, so if you'd like to shout me a cup of coffee to show me your appreciation for the podcast, then you can do that there. Thank you for all your support and love. It's deeply appreciated. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Tierney. Tierney is a mama of two from the UK. In this episode, we are going to hear about her natural hospital birth with gestational diabetes. Now, more and more women are diagnosed with GDM as the parameters changed to being narrower a few years ago, leading to an increase in induction rates due to the fear of big babies. Tierney wouldn't have it though. She did a lot of research and stood her ground and ended up having an empowering and positive natural birth at over 41 weeks gestation. Hopefully this episode will give you confidence if you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And as always, it's your choice to have the GDM test at all, as with everything that is offered in pregnancy. Curious about Tierney? Find her on Instagram as Tierney Giles. Hi Tierney and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Yeah, really good. Um, my baby's three and a half months now. Um, doing really well. I'm really happy. Yeah. Yeah, we're so happy to have you on. Um, so I know you've had two babies. So we're going to skim over a little bit about the first. You're going to share your kind of pearls of wisdoms that you brought from that first birth. And then we're going to dive a bit deeper into your second. And um yeah, let's just start with, you know, no further ado, let's just dive on into your birth story, hey? 
Um, yeah, let's go. So my first, um, my daughter, um, she was going to be a home birth and I had all the pool. I did um, a hypnobirthing course. I was even doing like weekly hypnobirthing relaxation classes that I was going to. I was kind of completely there. Um, my labor started really slowly. Um, and then it was, I think in total from like my first kind of like twinge, I didn't have any examination, so I couldn't really like time my active labor but it was about 74 hours I think from start to finish so wow that's a long latent phase (laughs) it was yeah so you did that um, all by yourself at home and yeah just at home yeah yeah. um just uh yeah we was just relaxing I just had like lavender diffusing and we had the pool it was in the summer so it was kind of sort of kept warm and everything and um and I sort of managed to sleep in between some of them in the beginning um Mm. We did go into the hospital just to sort of, they said, just come and have a check, but they obviously want to do examinations. So when you don't want to do that, you're kind of told to go back home or (laughs) they did, they did sort of push the examinations a lot, but I was just thinking, I knew I didn't need them then. Yeah. I thought, well, it's not going to tell me anything that I need to know. So I thought I'm not risking any infection or anything that's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, So I came back home. um, But the, um, the frustrating thing was when the midwife did come to me, and they she was just like you're not in labor and I was like I know I'm in labor but I'm hypnobirthing mm. and they kind of didn't yeah. recognize that um so then she went off again and I thought I'll just wait and then see when it ramps up and then it got to a point that I thought oh, I really I could feel like now I felt the closest thing I can remember thinking is like it felt like I was gonna lay an egg <laughs> so <laughs> I was like I know there's something there to push and if, it, if I push I'm gonna have the baby in the in the pool because I was all in the pool and then they said to me again on the phone, you're not, you're not in labor. And I was like, oh, I am. So I said, can you get someone to come out? And they said, there isn't anyone. We're having a really busy, I think it's like when, is it a full moon that you have like yeah. loads of babies born? And she said, it's a full moon. There is absolutely no midwives. I'm so sorry. You're going to have to come in. So um, we went in, but then they, they, the pool took like three hours to get ready when we got there. And my labor just slowed down completely and kind of like pretty much stopped. So then they told me I was in the pool for too long and then to get out and then they broke my waters, which now kind of, I was so like anti-induction and obviously that mm. is a form of induction. Yeah. So that frustrated me. I kind of, um, but after that, they I had to go to the labor ward and uh, it wasn't very nice. I mean, I don't, I don't look back on it being a bad birth, but she was very much um, like good cop, bad cop, where if you don't do this, then mm. we, this, you know, my colleague is going to induce you. And I was like, well, I'm not been induced. And she was like, well, something's going to happen to you if you don't push. And I remember pushing, being like, I don't know, I'm pushing him. There's nothing here to push. So mm. she did, um, it was like guided pushing. Obviously, then it sort of started coming through and it was very much guided pushing. I still had doing my hypnobirthing, but, and I remember thinking, like, everyone speaks about breathing this baby down. And, th- and I was thinking, like, that wasn't like it. I didn't have that. So yeah, um, you weren't allowed to follow your impulses in your natural way you were kind of coerced no. yeah. um, and you you don't even you don't even like consciously feel what's happening when you're doing that because yeah. I think because it is just so forced and you're constant you're con- focusing on them telling you not your body telling you yeah so yeah. I don't remember any real like sort of sensation of kind of like I remember like my second I could almost feel him sort of coming through the birth canal mm. it was incredible um so yeah so that was my first um but she was all happy you know healthy and everything and it um it went well but second time around I was adamant that I wanted a home birth 
um, I almost felt like I could always free birth this because <laughs> I thought I, you know, without the pushing, I, I would have done it all on my on my own. Um, yeah, I think manage like the it. pain. Yeah, it felt um, like you did an amazing job by yourself at home with your with your hypnobirthing and with the pool and it was all yeah. the circumstances around it that kind of um, yeah. made it a bit different. But even through that, you had that natural kind of normal yeah. birth, but it was in the yeah, system and you were, yeah, and you had that kind of bad cop, good cop attitude yeah. and just not really held in what you wanted fully no that I felt like I'd almost been like tricked into doing what they kind of wanted me Mm. to do afterwards looking back but I think when it's your first you're nervous yeah Um, but I just couldn't believe how like how well I managed my pain I mean I had gallstones I got them when I was pregnant in my pregnancy and (laughs) the pain of that was and I'm thinking oh my god how am I going to do this when this is this painful but actually it was a walk in the park because (laughs) the gallstones were so painful and and I had to I couldn't obviously do anything about it I got it about week 20 and um, it just was sort of like ramping up I was in hospital like sort of three times a week sometimes overnight um, when I think what happened was my bump was getting bigger and it was pushing on my organs yeah so um yeah that was uh that was hard work but then the birth I was like oh this is this is a breeze (laughs) (laughs) you've been through the gallstones (laughs) yeah so yeah that was the relief so I think that's why next the second birth I was thinking I'm gonna be at home I'm not gonna have any you know I don't need any medication I'm not worried about the pain I'm not even worried about the birth like um and then what happened was I I was showing bigger on my growth scans so that I had polyhydraminous, um, like excess fluid. Yeah. So um, I, technically I could still birth at home, um, but then they said go for a, di- a, di- a gestational diabetes test and that's what came back positive on like week 36. Mm. So I was like, oh, I've got so close. And my daughter had been born on week 37. I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm always here. Like, yeah. it, it, But they put me on the insulin of like two mil um because they said but they but they didn't really want to give me the insulin they were more like we're just going to induce you now and I was like absolutely not I'm not being induced um because I'm not I wasn't scared of giving birth but I was terrified of being induced I just thought I can't my body cannot do this I can't do this um I'm so curious to know because you kind of mentioned before we started this interview that you did a lot of research then around gestational diabetes and because this is such a controversial thing, right? Yeah. And you mentioned too, you know, the, the parameters have, they've lowered them. Like there's so many women who fall into gestational diabetes today. Um, and, and a lot of them might even be able to be managed if yeah. you want to manage it. You know, that's also a question. Do you, do you not? I mean, depending on what kind of result you have, obviously. But if you just on that parameter, like you just a little bit slightly over, like can you just do it with diet? You know, a lot of women might be able to do with diet changes. Um, but also the, the parameters themselves are just so low that too many women get diagnosed with gestational diabetes, yeah. right? And it's so dependent on where you are in the world too or what kind of... Um, hospital system or whatever if they say you know for example where I was at um if you had gestational diabetes diet control then you could birth at home you could birth in the birth center right but apparently where you were at you were then cancelled it didn't matter if and I know of women I had a client who I was helping 
who had gestational diabetes diet controlled in the in the US. And she was also just, yeah, you know, you have to come into hospital. And she was much, you know, much more micromanaged and stuff. And so it so depends on the professionals, their view of it, um, how good they are at the latest research around it. And I really encourage anyone listening right now who might have this to also do their research and check out the midwife's cauldron. Check out yeah. Sarah Wickham, right? Did you do those? I did, yeah, both yeah. those, yeah. Yeah, and you kind of, the penny sort of drops and you think, yeah, this all makes sense. Mm. Like the, the thing around what I couldn't, what I thought was just crazy is they want to induce you because they're worried about gestational diabetes apparently makes a big baby, which mm. what they call is big, I think is also, you know, so sort of oh, low. Don't get me started um, on yeah, that no. one. <laughs> So, so you have um yeah so you have like this apparently big baby then it's like okay we'll induce them but then if you're induced you could have you're like heightening your risk of shoulder dysplasia oh yeah oh so, shoulder dystocia yeah yeah that's it yeah so and it's just like you're just it doesn't make sense what they you know so but I did follow I did follow the diet I thought I'll do it and I think I may have even just tested positive for it because I was just eating so much fruit I just wanted like fruit all the time and obviously more like it's probably a lot more sugary than what I would probably have in my diet because I was eating so much of it but I had um and then they started for, I remember I had just saying like I'll just eat cheese and crackers all the time and it's like you're pregnant you don't want cheese and crackers you want like fresh nutrient rich food yeah. and um so I thought oh do you know what I'll do it and then they said you're high risk you have to come um straight into the labor ward like don't even go to triage straight into labor ward um, and the first signs of labor like any twins you get and I was like okay thinking I'm not oh doing that oh that's <laughs> so, that's a crazy way of thinking about it you're yeah. not that high risk no I thought like no. what is what is the actual you know what is this risk it doesn't no, the risk that they're sense. talking about is that shoulder dystocia which as you just mentioned is a higher risk of that if you get induced yeah yeah right I, I, because you tend then to not be able to maybe go without an epidural you know if you get induced yeah. cold induced that's hard to go through and then you end up on the bed and then you end up only laboring one position and then you're on your back which is higher you know it's higher likelihood if especially if you have a bit of a bigger baby you know gravity helps you're on your back you know all of this it actually in that it's all backwards yeah it's so backwards and it's so crazy how that's just pushed through um and the whole thing with bigger babies again I mean you know this I know this probably most people listening to this know Mm -hmm. this it's like bigger babies sometimes are easier to birth yeah like yeah. gravity is actually a godsend you know it's really a blessing <laughs> it is yeah mm. and all I was so I kind of done all this sort of research and like you say with the physicians and stuff so I really had a a clear mindset of like I'm gonna go in it will be a labor ward but yeah the, when I um the labor ward that I was going to because I switched to hospitals um because when I was actually having my home birth I was at one um closer to me and then as soon as I couldn't have the home birth I'd been there before and their labor ward is um it's just not very nice at all it kind of doesn't feel like a birthing space at all so um as I wasn't having a home birth I switched from my uh, original hospital that's closer to me um because their birthing unit uh, their uh, labor ward just isn't a birthing space it feels very clinical um very like dated and to be honest like quite a bit scary I was quite kind of they wanted like your legs um up in the stirrups and stuff and oh I was just like God. oh yeah no it's what that's what old I, school like 50s attitude so where is yeah. this can you can you warn people <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't go there <laughs> where are you based where was that um I'm in um I'm about 35 minutes out of London in Essex oh my um, god and it's that backwards over there 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think it is just that one hospital because <sighs> when I switched, I was talking to them and, um, you know, just their attitude on hypnobirthing was shocking. I remember saying, um, they were looking through my notes and she was saying, oh, like, oh, your first child. Oh God, that was a big child, seven ten. And I said, is it? Like, no, <laughs> no, I thought not. that's normal. What? <laughs> yeah. It's like and picture she, perfect normal. What? Yeah. And she said, uh, and like a few of them had this kind of attitude, but one woman I remembered, she said, oh, you couldn't have done that naturally. And I said, oh, no, I did. I did hypnobirthing. I said, I know it's kind of, some people think of it a bit like, so I could tell by her face she wasn't buying it. And I said, you know, I, I was a bit sort of skeptical at the first, but I said, actually, it was incredible. And I said, and I, I needed to do that. And it, it worked. And then she went, oh, I don't believe in all that hippy dippy stuff. And I was just like, well, I just told you it worked. <laughs> And she was like, so you didn't have an epidural? And I was like, no. And she kind of almost like couldn't believe that. And so I was just like, this is not where I want to be, you know, given birth. So then when I switched hospitals, um, in fairness, the, over the, I mean, it's only, it's literally probably an hour's drive between the two, which is crazy. Um, and they, because the first hospital wanted to induce me at week 37. And I was just like, no, like as soon oh, as I found nuts. out. That's yeah. Like and I was nuts. like, <laughs> I mean, you're just beyond being premature at that point. So. <sighs> It doesn't make sense to then suddenly, like, you know, do someone straight away. Um, and then when I went to the other hospital, they were a lot more like, you know, we, we don't need to induce you right now, but kind of week 38, 39, you should be. And I said, no, I, I don't want to be. Um, but I was doing the diet and um, and everything with them. Um, and then uh, and then because I had this, I had to go and see the consultant and they said with the polyhydraminous and um, me not being induced, um, the consultant said, I would like it if you came in every day, which this is, this hospital is about sort of 45 minute drive away from me. So every day for over two weeks, I was then driving. For what reason? Yeah, I know a bit that's... more fluid on board. Okay. Like, yeah. Yes. So what's <laughs> going to happen? In, uh, and that was that's... only slightly in like, sort of like their red zone. It wasn't like. Yeah. Like that's I mean, not something like that. That doesn't. That's something that's no worries for the baby or you, like in pregnancy, no. right? And then gestational diabetes again, you were just slightly over and you could manage yeah. that very and it well was manageable, diet, yeah. right? And so none of that is like a danger to you or your baby at this point. What? No, and what it got really, reason? it was kind of really getting me down. That's why your podcast helped me like so much because the more I was doing loads of research, so I kind of became like this like super geek about gestational diabetes. Um, because the more I learned about it, the more I just thought, no, I'm doing the right thing. Because I kind of every time I went there, they would almost I would kind of joke and it sounds like really bad, but I'd said to my husband, oh, I'm going in for my like, you know, dead baby chat. And I said, That sounds yeah, horrific. But I said, is. that's what it was. That was exactly what it was. And they were saying to me, like, you know, um, you know, you your baby could die. And I was oh like, okay. And I and I had to like always like put up like a screen and just be like, I know they're gonna say it. And it didn't, it didn't wasn't even bother me. I thought, no, I don't care. I know what I'm doing is right for me and my baby. And I've got confidence in that. And I was almost and then, but it it kind of dragged on and on. So I was doing this sort of trip every day to check the heart rate. And also I was in a triage for maybe like two hours, an hour every day. And that's my worst place because they're inducing all these women and I'm sitting there thinking, oh God, like don't do it so it was um and then it got to week 40 uh, week 41 and they can't they were putting more and more pressure on me every day um saying like can we induce you now like here, here. and I'm like no and then um they said to me the like the lady who was like managing the ward she's come over and she kind of 
gave me like this chat of like, you've had your fun. Like, that's it now. <laughs> oh, my and God. I, and then I was like, and she was like, like how long are we going to drag this child. out for? Yeah. It was, this yeah. attitude is just horrific. It is. Uh, yeah. And I that said. women are being treated like this. Like, you were treated yeah, like this. It's like, just, you're doing something wrong. Like you say, you're, you're being naughty. naughty. Oh. And then she, um, and I, she was like, when are we going to, you know, how long are you going to carry this on for? And I said, until the baby comes. And I just thought, no, oh. I'm. I mean, also, I got to that point and I thought, it can't be much longer after over this. So um, every day I was like, I was curb walking. I was <laughs> doing like everything that I could to, uh, I was like bathing myself in Clary Sage every night. I was just like anything to try and help. Um, but you must then, have, you must have gotten anxious by their treatment. And we know yeah, that that's the biggest thing to stop labor you know you probably yeah. would have because your first was at 37 weeks naturally right you probably yeah. would have gone maybe a bit earlier I, I uh, than so. what you did if you weren't going every day being harassed yeah. like that and I can't believe you did like no kudos to you to have the strength to do that but like that is hardcore it was yeah it was uh my husband went with me sometimes and I went on my own and kind of it did feel like oh here we go again and you know, you meant to be, well, I phoned, I actually hit week 40 and football 41. And um, I said to my husband, I'm going to phone the lady I did the hypnobirthing course with, because she's also a doula. Yeah. And I was, I just rang her and she was like you. And she was just like, whoa, 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 right. You're not going in tomorrow. And she was like, tell them what you want. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Tell them your cat's sick. <laughs> she was like, don't go in tomorrow. Just rest. She said, because you're exhausting yeah. yourself with yeah. this trip. And she was like, just relax. Just have a really nice day. And she was like, I promise you, you will go into labor. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know what, it makes sense. So um, so that's what happened the next day. Um, so the next day, my mother-in-law took my daughter out um, to the park and I managed to have a nap. Um, and every day I was doing my hypnobirthing, so I just sort of laid on the sofa and really felt like relaxed. I think I was more tired that day as well. And I think it might have been my body kind of realising, like taking this breath of like, you know, just have time to rest. Um. And uh, yeah, and then four o'clock that day, um, I kind of got like a bit of a twinge and this happened a week before and I thought my labor was starting, but it just sort of disappeared into nothing. So I was like, oh, maybe this might be, I was like, yeah, it kind of feels like it's ramping up. So um, I've uh, phoned my mum again and said, oh, can you come and get my daughter? So she was like, oh, is it happening? I was like, I think it's happening this time. <laughs> it was, um, but I thought I'm just going to like be completely relaxed. Um, like we had some food and uh, said good, like, goodbye to my daughter, gave my mum like a a hug and she was kind of you know good luck and I remember that point thinking like it kind of feels like I'm going somewhere like going on mm. like this journey um but we came back in and my husband kept going should we go yet and I was like no <laughs> should we go he's like well they kind of said and I'm like no we're just gonna wait this out um and and I thought I don't want to go in too early because I feel like if you go in too early you almost put a timer on even if you're not having examinations they don't like it and I thought I'm fine I knew the baby wasn't going to come anytime soon um, so it, I think I went in about 10 o'clock in the evening um, and it was kind of not strong. Contra- I wasn't listening to my hypnobirthing. I was just listening to like classical music. I'd put on some birth stories earlier like that day, listening to that and just like rocking on my ball and just taking things really easy. Um, but then when I got to the hospital, I went to the labor ward, as I was told, and then they said, no, no, come back to triage. And I was like, oh, you know, like <laughs> you just want to make a beeline. I was, I just said to my husband, I just want to get in there and like, it to be my space and yeah. and then I can relax in that space um but when I got there she said uh on triage she was I had this midwife and 
she was kind of like a right battle. You know, I was, like, looked at her and thought, oh, no, this is not, I'm not going to gel with you. <laughs> and she was really abrupt and kind of pretty old school. And she said, right, we need to do examination. And I said, oh, I don't want that. And she, I don't want examinations. I've already given her a birth plan, but she um, she was said to me, uh, you know, well, you have to have one. And I was like, well, I'm not having one. <laughs> you kind of like, you don't want to be, I said, I'm not trying to be awkward, but I'm really sorry. This is my birth plan and I want to stick to it. I love it. So, you go. So, Great. Yeah. So, um, so she, she just peeled off, came back with like a couple of doctors and uh, they said to me, I'm going to send you home if you don't have an examination. And I was like, I'm 45 minutes away. So you think I'm going to drive 45 minutes back and get back. I was like, I'm not. And I was probably having contractions probably <sighs> every six minutes and they were the point that because at one point she tried talking over one because they, they were stopping every time we were having the conversation and it was taking forever and I knew that she had buzzer kept going off because she needed to be going somewhere else and I was like I'm sorry this is taking ages I said it's just my contractions and you know and uh, I could tell she was getting agitated and uh, she tried talking over just one of my contractions and I just told her to stop I was like shush I was like, and I thought it's not really like me to be like that. I'm kind of, I'm a bit more shy than that. But it was that that that's how sort of strong my contractions were. That like I just couldn't have like someone talking, and uh, so that should have kind of shown her. But she was like, no, we are going to send you home. So I mean, because when I'm laboring, I kind of I'm doing my breathing, but I don't really make any other noises. I mean, you know, there was like a certain element of pain there, but I internalize it, and that's kind of uh, how I deal with it. So from from someone maybe not realizing. Um, I was sort of looking, they don't, they don't realize how far along I was. So I said to her, you can do one now. I was like, and that is the only one I'm having. I'm not having anyone, you know, doing it again. And it was kind of just to prove to her that I was in labor, which, you know, in hindsight, I'm kind of annoyed that I let her do it. But I thought at that point I needed to. So I said, don't tell me how dilated I am. I said, I'll close my eyes and you can hold your fingers up and show my husband um, because I thought if she tells me I'm two centimeters, <laughs> I'm not going to be very happy with that. So, uh, and then she did it, and then she held up six fingers, and she said to uh, my, she said to me, "Are oh, you allowed to say uh, as if to say or kind of annoyed?" Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was like, "Okay." And then uh, I never saw the other midwife again. And this lady came in, and um, she's kind of a lot more kind of like hippie looking, a really like young girl. And I looked at her, and I thought, "Oh my god, like she's an angel." And she didn't, she didn't open her mouth, and I thought, "I know." Like I'm just so much more relaxed around here. And she came over and she was like, well done for not being induced. She was like, I've just read your notes and you've done fantastic. And she went, mm. I get, she was like, they give me all the naughty ones. And I was like, again, I like calling people naughty, but she was like, they don't, you know, she's like, I get anyone that's hit my birth in. Um, she ran a hit my birthing course. So she was all kind of on board. Um, and uh, she was like, right, we're going to get you over to the labor ward. So I was like, okay. And she went, do you want a wheelchair? Because they wheelchaired me before. And I, and then she looked at me and she went, you're not getting a wheelchair, are you? I was like, no. And I was really like laughing. And yeah. she was like, because I was kind of so excited as well, like in this, that point, because even though I was sort of laboring, I was just so happy that I'd finally got there because I think I was so worried about being induced. Because mm. um, they even try to backtrack, but they did say to me, my last appointment as well, the one that she said, you've had enough. She said to me, she did an internal and I was 50% effaced and I was at three centimetres. So I knew I was like, I was, I'm, I'm doing it. And she went, oh, you've got a problem here with your baby. Because of the polyhydramus, they said, the baby is like a ping pong ball in a bottle of Coke. And she said, it can't get down. And I was like, 
really this is why one of the reasons why I phoned the doula and she was just like no way and she was like don't listen to that and she was like that's rubbish and she said you've got polyhydramnus if they break your waters like they want to then you could have um a cord where relapse a prolapse prolapse yeah that's the one that's one of the risks right is that because what that means is that because the head potentially isn't far down in the pelvis especially if you are a second time mom we've had previous babies you have more room down there right so sometimes you know second time moms the head doesn't fully engage until labor because it's just more room and if you're also polyhydramnus it just might mean that there is even more room for baby to move around so that's the risk right with breaking the waters whether that's natural or you know artificial if the baby's head has not really come down so if you start labor though naturally if you start labor without breaking the waters because this is how this how the steps go right if you get induced they break the waters first and then they put up the drip that uh, gives you the synthetic contractions like that right yeah so so then there's like this whole that's more i would say for cord prolapse dangers then if you start naturally and then the head gets pressed down naturally with contractions and then your waters break later on however you know there is a risk when you have more water on board for a cord prolapse yeah it's not huge it's just increased because there's more room yeah right? yeah yeah i think you've just got to be aware um yeah, kind of exactly. Because I know when I went to the second hospital, they said to me, have they spoke to you about the you know, cord prolapse and what you do if that happens? And I said, no, no one's even mentioned it to me. Mm. So um, it was like, okay, if it happens, and I think they said, like, just get on all fours and kind of stay there, phone an ambulance. So I was like, okay, now yeah. I know. Yeah, so for anyone it's, listening, I mean, if you have a bit more water on board or if you ever <laughs> end up in, I mean, this is cord prolapse is one of the most rarest emergencies yeah. like, i've never had one like it's super super duper rare right okay. but if it happens if anyone listening you know has this happen yes you go on all fours but you go all fours head down bum up because right. you want to take off the pressure in case oh, okay, there's a yeah. cord out there so that the head if you do have contractions especially you know doesn't press on the cord because we don't want that because then obviously there's no oxygen coming to baby. So that's just, you know, FYI, bum up in the air yeah. is a great way <laughs> to handle that and call obviously an ambulance, yeah. Yeah, because even when she done the examination actually, and as she said that, you know, I'm six centimetres, she still said, I, we need to break your waters. And I was no. like, six centimetres. <laughs> I, I said, like, if I'm staying, I'm obviously enough, I'm not dilated enough. And I was like, I was at three, like, last week. I was like, I know I don't need to have my waters broken. So, um yeah, so my my new midwife takes me. Um, she starts to walk. Well, she said to me, "You're not having a um, wheelchair." And I was like, "Hell no! I'm going to walk as much as I can." And I was like, "I want to. Can I get a ball as well?" And she was like, "Yeah, you can have a ball." And I was like, "Yes, I can get a ball." <laughs> like compared to the last time with the stirrups, I was just like, and I said to her, "I'm not laying down." And she went, "I'm not going to make you lay down." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." So she said, um, "I'm going to go get the room ready." And um, she was like, "Do you want? What do you want? Diffusing in there?" And I was like, "Wow, it sounds like a spa. Like it was so different." Um, and I was like, oh, "I'd really like some clary sage, but everywhere all over the hospital, it's like banned." And she went, "I've got some. I'm going to put some in for you." <laughs> so she was like, "I'll diffuse it in there." And I was like, "Oh my god, you're an angel!" So uh, yeah, we, we walked down, and um, and I had my birth plan that I wanted all the lights off and it to be like dimly lit. Um, and we walk in and it was literally like there was just a diffuser and like a little lamp and that was it and it just felt like it, it was just it felt like I was in like a private hospital it was so nice and clean and calm and I just, it just me and her and my husband um, and uh, I almost forgot that she was even there because I kind of looked around for her at one point um, in between my contractions and I was like oh yeah there she's there because <laughs> uh, I just I, and I kind of just um, was like okay I know I'm here I got the ball I leaned over the top of the ball 
with it on the bed and stood there. Um, and I was sort of like going through my contractions and just sort of imagining waves and um, just doing my breathing. Um, and yeah, I was just, I just kind of, you're kind of enjoying it actually. I almost felt like it's like you go on this like journey somewhere and always it's like climbing like a mountain. Like you've got to kind of put these bits in to get the achievement. Like it's not like a marathon, like you put all this effort in um, and it's sort of like the build up. So I was just really excited. And uh, yeah, I just had my sort of my eyes closed, my earphones in and just holding my husband's hand. Um, I had a bit of um, counter uh, pressure on my back. Um, this time that really helped um but I was all I was all good and I think I was so focusing and in this like little happy bubble then my waters broke and it terrified me because <laughs> uh, I was standing up as well and it's heard like this huge almighty and obviously the polyhydramonous this almighty splash and I remember my legs shaking and I was like oh god and she was like are you okay and I was like yeah I just I completely forgot that my waters are going to break <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't like so focused um and then, and then after that, um, I think, yeah. And then I suddenly was like, oh no, I could sort of feel like a real like change. So I said, um, we put the bed up. So it was like, um, like a V and I just leant with my like, elbows over the top part of it. And, uh, suddenly I just started feeling really tired. So I, my lay, my contractions were strong. Um, and I just sort of, I was like breathing through them, but they were getting, my breathing was getting like a lot heavier and, um, I remember at one point I uh, I was kind of struggling a bit. Like I still had my husband's hand, and he was like great, and he was like he was sort of saying the affirmations through uh, rubbing my back and everything. So I knew he was there, but I just kind of I felt like I needed some more sort of help, and I just visualised without thinking um, the lady that did the hypnobirth and the doula, and I just imagined like what she'd be saying to me now, and she'd be saying like pull yourself together, come on, like <laughs> you're doing it. Like so I um, yeah, and I just when in between the contractions I was just focusing on um and it helped me visualize it just looking at lots of like diagrams of like the birth canal and I remember just being like it felt like kind of every contraction I'm like yes right another one and I'm like right it's I can almost feel it sort of going down and I think now looking back I could feel him move through the birth canal um which I hadn't felt that in the first one and uh it was just like it was incredible and I just kind of I mean, at that point, I think I'd just completely like sort of like melted into like surrendered myself. Um, I've like absolutely, I was kind of away with the fairies almost, I think, yeah. at that point. And it was just, yeah, it was just so, I was just so focused on that kind of, you know, like that end goal um, that I was just putting all my pressure in. But I was getting really tired. So uh, in between some of the contractions, my husband thought I was actually going to fall asleep. <laughs> I, was, I think because I was so relaxed. Yeah. Um, because well, that's the thing when you really when you really surrender yourself to birth like I've been witnessing so many women at that stage fall asleep in between contractions or fall asleep yeah. in the pushing stage in between because it's like when you allow the hormones to do its thing you can get that altered state of mind you said you know you're off with the fairies like that makes sense to me it's like you're diving deeper into the birth realm and it's it is like that. You feel, you could feel, you know, some women do feel just this tiredness coming over them in between where they just go like, and they get micro sleep, like seconds. Yes. Yeah. But it actually revives you. Need you. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you do. You, and then you, I was almost like, did I fall asleep? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, 
um but um yeah and then the midwife she came over and um she was sort of checking and she was just like she was like you're doing amazing she was like you're doing this really slowly like really gradually and she was like you're just you know she's like you're doing it basically I don't even have to be here she was like so just carry on and kind of she just sort of took a step back um she was meant to put a canya in my arm as well because I was high risk and she was like I'm not putting a canya in your arm <laughs> she was like and I was like thank you for not because um you know whereas other people may have like done that at that point and that would have probably taken me out of where I was definitely um, oh she's a rabble so, midwife she would get yeah so she much really shit. is she would get so much shit I got so much shit for being a rabble midwife Did you? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. system. yeah you do but yes. Yeah, but it all made it kind of I think she just you know she she was really like in tune with what was sort yeah. of happening um and yeah and just um and then I just got so excited at one point because I did like um a few sort of pushes at the end and I was and, I, and she was like yeah he's crowning I can like see them coming out and I was like okay so I was like really excited um I really wish that I'd kind of felt but I didn't um I think I was I didn't think to do it um but I was in, I was like, I can feel, I can feel his features on his face, and I don't know if this is in me in my head, but I really thought like, I can feel his ears. I was like, I can feel like his nose, and I remember being like, oh my god, this is amazing. And it was like I could feel like the different stages of his coming out, which I was like so grateful for. I thought this is like this is amazing because um, I think before I just remember feeling like kind of that ring of fire burn, and then the head was out. And then it was just like the body sort of follows through. I never remember feeling any um, any sort of like defining like sort of features. Yeah. Um, so I was just, I was think I was just like so excited. Um, and like, I've, obviously the oxytocin is like proper flowing through me. And I was like high and excited. And I was just like, this is incredible. Like inside, obviously I couldn't vocalise any of this. Does feminine spirituality, natural fertility awareness, conscious conception, natural birth and conscious parenting appeal to you? Would you like to be a part of a like-minded community of women who want deeper and more meaningful conversations and relationships in their day-to-day lives? Then the maiden mother and Maga village might be for you. In our village, you will find women exploring healthy and natural and conscious ways of living, relating and being in the world. Women practicing their magic, celebrating and honoring their cycles and blood rites, practicing fertility awareness and exploring conscious conception. Mothers preparing for and journeying through her rite of passage into motherhood, navigating pregnancy, sharing birth stories, and the early days of her postpartum transformation. Mothers of all ages carrying wisdom and knowledge, sharing and receiving support and encouragement through the intense and the beautiful times of mothering babies, toddlers and young children. And the Magas, the magical ones. She who has claimed her power and become her magic, trickling down her great wisdom to the younger women in the space. When you join the Maiden Mother and Maga Village, you get access to an uncensored and safe online sisterhood community. You get access to monthly live village sharing circles with women from all over the world and live Mama's Q&A with me. 
You also get access to monthly video lessons and themes to deepen into feminine embodiment, spirituality and sovereignty. You can join our village today and try it out with no risk. Cancel your membership at any time, no strings attached. Find the link in the show notes and I hope to see you inside our sisterhood village soon. So, um, and she was like, yep, the head's come out. Um, I did have another push, which then she did, she thought she saw some resistance with the shoulder, the shoulders. So she um, pressed the emergency button. Not that I heard it. And she said to my husband, I'm going to press it because I think there might be a bit. And so she said to me, would you be able to turn around? And I remember thinking, oh my God, no. How am I going to turn with the baby's heads out? So I had to flip over onto my back. Um, and then there was about eight people rushed in. Um, but again, I was just like, I was in my head, I was thinking, I've, I've basically born this baby, like the, the head's out, like I've done my bit. And I was just sort of like gushing with like achievement of, you know, I'm he's fine. Like they could see. And I was just thinking all the things that I've been doing leading up to this have actually paid off and I was right he's fine I'm fine like I, I did made the right decisions um because you're always kind of second being second guest of you know are you doing the right thing and you're like yes I'm doing it and then back your head you're thinking am I like oh yeah I am yeah I am <laughs> so I was always sort of talking to myself like that um and uh yeah then what they did they said the next push will just they applied like pressure onto like the inside of my thigh they'd sort of maybe sit on my back um, and then they just sort of like pushed, I think it's just like widen my pelvis, which it kind of sounds really horrific, but I was just like, okay, you know, fine. Like I, he's, he's pretty much here. And then at the end afterwards, she said, I'm sorry that I pressed the emergency button. I don't know if it's because she thought I was just a, had the gestational diabetes mm. and she was a bit more worried because she said, you didn't actually need that. Yeah. And I think I find she could have said, can I do one more push and see what happens? Maybe. I don't know if that would have been a risk of him or something, but I mean, yeah. uh, that's the thing but, that it tend to be shoulder dystocia is one of the scariest things for like midwives and yeah you know um so sometimes it can just be a quicker reaction like she yeah. said oh I probably didn't need to do that you know I've, I've been at a which wasn't a shoulder dystocia but my colleagues treated it as such it was just a bit of a tight shoulder um, yeah but because of that fear that's again isn't it it's just that Sometimes because of the fear, especially in the hospital system, they overreact. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's better than underreacting. So I didn't kind of mind too much, but I, I kind of was a bit like, oh, it's annoying that I couldn't have just sort of done that last bit and I would have been able mm-hmm. to catch them. Whereas if you're laying, you can't really catch them. Yeah. I would have been there in a better position. Um, but yeah, then he came out and and I remember the consultant, the last time I had a um, meeting with the consultant, he said, he was like, I don't think you're going to have a huge baby. He's like, I reckon sort of eight or nine pounds. So uh, when he came out, I kind of hugged him. And, um, and yeah, that's when I kind of uh, had this, like, it was almost, I didn't have an out-of-body experience, but I felt like I was coming back to myself. Like, it almost felt like it all kind of got dark and, like, I don't know. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like I'd been in a dream and I was waking up from it. Hmm. Um, and I remember sort of going back to myself and then I remember just sort of like breathing but it was like a relief like deep breath and I was almost I was kind of like shaking but with like 
I was just so proud of myself really I think that's what it was and I thought god I've, I've done it like you know we've done this and it's all been natural and everything's been worth it leading up to this like as you know as hard as it has been it's uh you know he's all fine I'm all fine um but yeah and I held him and she she put him onto my chest and um yeah and then she was uh I think that's why I was uh yeah birth in the I had the golden hour with him um had the placenta that all came out fine um and he just fed um we had like delayed cord cutting but um he had a really long cord um so that was fine just to hold him and we just had like skin on skin and he fed um and then when she did pick him up she said uh she was like wow she was like um he's big and I went is he <laughs> you know they look small every baby looks small and she went yeah and I said oh do you think he's do you think he's like eight or nine pounds and she went oh I think maybe nine pounds so she takes him over and uh, weighs him and she was like oh my god he's ten pound four <laughs> <laughs> but and uh, and I was like oh god thank you god they don't tell you that before because I think you'd be like how the hell do I do that but um but you but do he's not, yeah you That's do and you know, you it was do. incredible it was so easy it was such an it was so easier I mean I've heard some people say bigger babies are easy I don't know if that's yes so. yes because of Maybe. gravity yeah I mean I would say it's probably not as easy if you're lying on your back but yeah, no, that was just that last, yeah, yeah, yeah. Being cotton upright the whole time, I think that probably really helped. And it just, yeah. I mean, the, my pushing was only probably for about oh, twenty minutes. It wasn't very long. Yeah, my whole sort of pushing phase. Um, but yeah, and he's, uh, yeah. So he came out and he was all really, really like happy and all sort of pink. And um, yeah, we just sort of like wrapped him up and and she just she kind of she said we had like this hour, but she kind of dragged it on even a bit longer and um just kind of left us alone and <laughs> but yeah it's just and I said to my husband I was like I feel like euphoric and I was like and it's kind of like a high that you know you you've never felt before and you're probably never going to feel again it's so like intensified um and it just made me feel really sad like you know people that are induced you're you don't you don't know what you're missing kind of mm. thing do mm. and it's it's um yeah, it was, uh, it was incredible. I kind of, and I, you know, I wanted the home birth and um, my husband was a bit more wary about home birth. Um, I think, and then I was like, well, you know, when it was the diabetes thing as well, and he did read up to it and he was supportive, but I think in the back of his head, he was a bit like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think he would be happier in a hospital. So I, I thought, well, I don't mind kind of as long as I'm in a, in a nice environment with a midwife that I trust. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Really good midwife. Yeah. And that made that I did feel like I almost felt like I had like a free birth in that labor ward because she was like nowhere to be seen or she was meant to be doing her checks with the um, heart rate as well. And she said to me as I walked in, like, you know, I'll try and get some, but really, I, you know, if I can't get them, then I'm not going to bother. She's like, it's fine. Um, It is. I think this is really important for women to understand is that actually most of these things, are not evidence-based the amount of times how often you listen to baby's heart rate they differ where you are in the world if they're every 15 minutes every half an hour you know every hour there's no evidence around that right and the same with vaginal examinations or your you know all these different checks it's just made up it is yeah and like you say it varies from country to country and so you kind of think hospital to hospital as well yeah 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 you wouldn't I wouldn't ever have thought to sort of look at different hospitals of 
what their you know what their protocols are but Mm -hmm. it's crazy it is like you just imagine I think that the NHS is all the same yeah Um, you think so yeah it's uh but it's just but it's just down to your midwife and what experience they make it for you I think yeah and how how comfortable she is in supporting someone outside of the guidelines because you can say that to anyone listening right now who might be you're choosing to go to hospital um, because she wants to, that's where she feels most safe or has to go to hospital for any kind of medical reason. Um, You know, you can, even if you are high risk, you know, uh, you can opt out of things. You can say, I don't want to follow the guidelines or the policy about these. This is how I want to be cared for. And you can sign, you know, they can say, you can say to them, oh, I can sign something if you want me to do that to say like, oh, well, I'm opting out of vaginal examination or I'm going to mm. only have one if I ask for one or, you know, I'm not wanting a continuous monitoring. Um, I'm wanting intermittent monitoring and I want to maybe do that just every hour or whatever, you know, you can choose. And this is so important that women understand. And this is where like a doula or a independent private midwife can like assist you um, is to figure out what is it that you want to say yes to? What is it that you don't want? What kind of birth do you want? You know? Yeah. I was very much like, you know, my husband is my voice. He's got my birth plan. And I said on the, on the birth plan, like all questions to go through him. Cause I was like, no one, no one's going to be able to talk to me. <laughs> so uh, I think, and then you can actually just block it out and then you, you're not waiting for someone to come in and ask you a question. If the door opened, I wouldn't have been thinking, oh, they're going to speak to me. I was just like, no, this is, you know, not for me yeah. to deal with. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, uh, but I, I was just really like uh, overwhelmed at how nice the birth was still in a hospital because I kind of was like, oh, you know, it's hospital birth. It's not going to go the way I want. I'll try it. But it actually did. I think if, if you're in that relaxed state of mind and you can do your hypnobirthing and just stay positive in it all, it doesn't really, you can block everything else out. And it doesn't matter where you are. It's what you're feeling. And kind of, you just need to like, let your body do it. Your body can do it. It's just, you've got to keep your mind on track. And that's what I kept thinking, like, just control your mind. Like, your body's going to do it regardless. I'm not going to be able to yeah. stop my body. It's on It's on this runaway train and it's doing it. But if I will get in the way if I don't let it do it. And also, you know, your baby is it's making its way down. It's like you're – I always felt like I was like – I'm like, I'm just a passenger of this, yeah. you know, on this, like, train that's moving. And I've just got to, like, sort of sit back and relax. And it will take me there. Um which, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was just really lucky that sort of it all went well. And yeah, yeah. Was- yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of luck in having that midwife because you don't know, obviously, who you're going to get. No. Uh, but you also did so much to prepare. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, when I spoke to, like, the doula before, um, she said to me, she was like, you've probably done so much more research. You don't have to do any more. She's like, you probably know more than what they know. I think, and that's what I found with, with speaking to the midwives, um, that they, and some of them even said to me, like, we don't really deal with a natural birth in women. And we don't really, you know, when someone does come in, it's amazing to watch. And I think, you know, it's crazy. Like, and that's what showed me that they don't really know how to manage and that, you know, someone having a natural birth, they're so used to, and everyone is induced that, that, you know they it is it's not really fair on them either because and if unless they do like their own research if you're just nhs trained mm. then you know you and you don't think to look 
elsewhere for information mm-hmm. then you're kind of like ch- channeled down this like path yeah uh, which is just it's crazy because I just was thinking I just you know and when I had my risk as well and they kept saying to me like oh you're such high risk me knowing that I kind of wasn't I was like if I'm that high risk I was like then I'll have a c-section and they were like oh no 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 you can't have a c-section and I was like well I'm not high risk then am I like how high risk is high risk you're saying that I'm high risk yeah. and I remember the doctor was like I wouldn't be telling you I wouldn't be inducing you he said this and that's insulting he was like if you were my wife I would tell you not to be induced he was like you don't need to be induced he was just like <clears throat> but he was like you definitely don't need a c-section so I think he was a bit like you know you're just going to have this baby you'll go into labor um, this is the but, thing, you know, this is the thing what's happening. I mean, there's a lot of good eggs in the system, right? That knows the system is freaking broken a lot, yeah. you know. Um, um, but still, they have to toe the line, right? Yeah. This really broken line yeah. that keeps on uh, messing up. And as you say, I know that, like, if you're in that, if you're in a, especially in a hospital that has a very high, induction rate yeah all you see is that so you only really know how to medically manage a birth mm-hmm. and when someone random then comes in and have a natural birth it's like they they they're so scared that something's going to go wrong they want to manage that but then in wanting to manage it they screw it up and might even make something yeah. happen because as you yeah if, the, the two different things having a medicalized birth is one thing yeah um, then you have to be managed because you're, you know, having syntocinin or some kind of medication going in, or you're having it medically managed. You're having it meddled with, so it's not hormonal yeah. anymore. It's not physiological. There's a like it's on the other end of the spectrum is the physiological birth, the natural birth, and actually your midwife did the exactly right thing for that. You should stay away. It's like mm. when a cat's birthing, you just like keep away. Yeah. You don't scare it. You kind of keep out of sight. You know, that's yeah. how you that's how you facilitate and hold space for a natural birth. If you're there poking yeah. and prodding, you're interfering and you might yeah. be causing issues. Yeah, that's what I and I kept thinking this thing about like this whole like, you know, big scary baby that they keep sort of talking about. And um and I was thinking like our bodies are as mammals, we don't have, you know, any animals, they're not, they don't birth a big, like a big kitten and they go, oh my goodness, they couldn't birth it because it got so big. It's like you know, and I did look into it and they say like our brains are sort of getting bigger. So our skulls are getting bigger, but, and that's like an evolution thing, but surely then our pelvises will adapt as well. It's all going to be, it's going to evolve. And, and it was just, I just felt like all this thing about this big baby. Um, I mean, he was big, but he wasn't like a, just what they would call like a big gestational diabetes baby. Cause he wasn't fat. He was just so long, but my yeah. husband's only six foot, I'm five foot seven. And then when I kind of look, obviously he's a boy, my daughter, she was uh, 10 pounds seven um sorry seven pound ten and she um <laughs> and she so that's sort of like on the bigger side of things I guess no. um, and, then, and then you look well you look at like all my family and it's like all my family all the men in my family my husband's family they're all kind of like six foot plus so obviously he was going to be a big baby but he's not he's not like a big you get like these sort of like big babies with lovely little rolls he wasn't like that he was just slender and tall and even when the health visitor came, she was like, wow, I've never measured a baby this tall. <laughs> so wow. it was like, yeah, that was, uh, you know, and that's why he's easy to birth. Because Do you remember how, how long he was? Um, 
I can't remember how, how long he was when they, he was 55 centimetres when the health visitor came. Yeah. And I think that's in the first week or something. But yeah. she said like, we, she was like, this is one of the biggest babies I've ever measured. Oh. Um, and I was like, oh, really? Like, you know, oh. kind of, was yeah. that kind of, uh, you know, I think I it's think kind of it. normal. I mean, yeah. But he is tall now. Um, I mean, yeah. he's three and a half months and he's, in his six, he's, I put him on a six to nine month baby grow and his feet yeah. are like, I'm like, yeah, you're kind of like ready to get the next size off already. <laughs> oh so he's going to be tall, but you know, they're not, they're not looking at, you know, the tall, like your, your history, then doing that in studies, but the studies are so sort of, they're so vague. Yeah. They don't, oh, they don't. Those scales or like, you know, parameters you're supposed to be in and everything. It's just. Yeah. yeah, you have to and look uh, at your unique family. You know, if yeah. a little, a little petite family has a baby, I would be surprised if they had a ten kilo one, right? Yeah. yeah, right. Or you know, but if if there's a bigger, you know, Western family, like tall and everything, yeah, like that's that's not unusual. And yeah, no. we are being, getting a bit bigger. Um, it depends on. You know, I would definitely not recommend anyone to eat McDonald's every day for in the whole pregnancy, right? You know, but yeah, you know, that's nutritious. Yeah, you know, it's just you won't grow if you are a healthy person eating a healthy diet. You won't grow a too no. big baby if you eat no. McDonald's every day. Yeah, you know, maybe we could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, it's um, it is. I think now, if if anyone that I speak to. Um, who, you know, I, if my sister or not at the moment, she's pregnant and, um, they've said, oh, your bump's quite big and everything. And I said, like, really think if you want that test, if they offer it to you again, because you don't need to have the test again, like you don't know that you don't need to have the test, but they say to you that you do. No. Um, and it's like, do you want that test? Cause you know, what, listen, like that one, the podcast from the midwife's cauldron was uh, like, um, incredible. Yeah. It was so helpful for me. Um, and actually the, my midwife actually said that she does tell people to listen to that actual episode as well. She was like, when she's um, doing all of her community-based stuff, she says like, before you embark on like this big diet, just listen to this and make of it as you want, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's just having, it's, it's, there's still not enough information around what you're, what you are allowed to do. And because when they tell you no, like the, my midwife said at the end of it, she said, you should have had this baby at home. You shouldn't have been in this hospital. Yeah. She was like, and I said, well, I got told that I, I had to come in. And she was like, no, you could have said, I'm still having them at home. So they've got a duty of care to still come out to you. Yeah, right. And I was just like, I mean, it's all down to how they word it. Yes. And what midwife you have, what care for professional you have and how they, what they support, if they support natural birth, or if they don't. Yeah, and that's yeah, why, unfortunately, you have to do your own research about everything. Yeah, you really or employ do. someone, employ a doula or an independent midwife, or find someone like me that you can like consult with. You know, that's yeah. how you can take because it's it's also hard to know what to research or like and where to find yeah. information. Yeah. Like it's overwhelming, and I understand that. Like it's a uh, yeah so it's kind of you because even with that when I went in and said I can't have a home can I have a home birth still and she was like no they won't um support you having a home birth and it's like well that, that's actually a lie but because yeah. she'd been outright and said no I kept, I, didn't, I didn't come back thinking I'm going to research it because you kind of trust that what they've said and otherwise I would, you're kind of second guessing everything I knew I, I was so adamant not to be induced that I did the research and that but like you say you, ha- you don't know where to look then you don't you're, and yeah. you know, you think is this right information on? Yeah, it's um, 
I just think, but we're just, we, I think it's just like an epidemic of induction. Like it's a, it's, it's just, a, it's such a massively broken system and it's getting worse by the day. Yeah. And like, I'm just getting more and more, um, flabbergasted and, and terrified by where it's going. Yeah. Like where yeah. are we going to be in a few years? Where yeah. are we going to be in 10 years? Is every, is half of the population going to have cesareans then? I mean, we're up to 30 to 40 yeah. percent i mean depending on where you are in the world or in the country which is crazy like it's crazy that's, yeah th- that's not natural that's not normal so no that, so many babies does not need to get brought out out of the tummy that's yeah no, not and, true you know i listen i watched um there's a program i watched i think it was on netflix and it was all about induction i think it was in mexico or somewhere like that and it They'd said like they did a study, and it was all about if they do a um, if they do a C section on a monkey, then they don't they don't um, go to their baby, they leave it, they abandon it, and it's like we you know like it's God. you think like and you think that's what we're doing to ourselves. So you know yeah. no wonder people are getting like you know like past postpartum depression, problems with mm. breastfeeding. Massive. It just ruins it just ruins it all. And yeah, it's um, although I do I have found like now I'm kind of like more sort of uh, licking a dog birth and things like that coming up I've noticed that where where I live maybe because it's sort of kind of so bad in the hospitals there are is there's a lot more holistic um like doulas and hypnobirthing courses and um you know and I, and I even I spoke to someone the other day in the park and she said that her daughter and both her daughters are pregnant and she said they're not being induced and I said oh did they do like a hypnobirthing course because I feel like if you're on this path of like hypnobirthing holistic then suddenly all these doors are open to you and then you, you opened your eyes to it and she said no no she did she's not doing that and I said oh interesting I wonder how like so that's someone because I would never have without doing the course I would never have realized all of this and and I needed some support with um breastfeeding afterwards and I went to the NHS and I kind of just got the health visitor wasn't interested and the NHS is not interested and uh, they just kind of just like get on with it <laughs> and I was so I had kind of too much I had uh, too much milk and he was trying to clamp down to stop the milk flowing so fast so not something that I would ever have realized it was a problem but I had to go private in the end and um and I was just talking to the lady from there and she was saying like um how did you know about this and I said because of the course so yeah. but I was like and she said but normal people that don't do like hypnobirthing yeah. they don't realize because they're so forced towards like the hospital system and you know, and they they were kind of like, well, just go into bottles then. And it's like, well, no, I don't want to go into bottles. That's you know not what I want to do. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's a bit. It's just a shame. That's so it's so big, isn't it? Especially in the UK with bottle feeding, it's just something that still gets so easily yeah. pushed on mums by both I think, parents and grandparents, and but also the system. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's getting better. I think mm. um, there's a lot more like you go to like cafes and they've got like signs up saying breastfeeding friendly and they're making it a lot more. And like and you could go to the park and like breastfeed in the park and, you know, you'd feel quite mm. comfortable. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. But then it's, that's weird because then we go to the NHS. It's like, well, you're not supporting that. You know, no. you're saying you should breastfeed for six months. But if someone has like a slight problem that's easily fixable, yeah. where there's, there's, there's no support there. So there is very is, bad support in the system when it comes to postpartum generally yeah. both for your mom and Bob and um, that's all mm. over the world. I don't know anywhere that has good postpartum support within the system, something that you have to kind of create yourself or 
make sure yeah. you have that support around you or source that. And yeah, I know that, you know, hypnobirthing and um, the different branches around that is kind of this um, thing that is kind of the opposite to the hospital. Uh, yeah. Kind of, it's like the antidote. I do feel that, and it really worked for you, but I have had clients that um, have also found maybe that wasn't their style because you don't actually know who you're going to be when you're in labor. You don't know if you're going to be the one that's needing to be vocal and like sound or be more primal in your expression and maybe swear or, you know, for some that's an outlet, it's a power, you know, it makes them go through the sensations. And I had a lot of clients that um, have found that then they feel like they may be, failed because they couldn't internalize it or it couldn't be quiet yeah. and through or they couldn't just use their breath and so I feel like it's it can be a little bit limiting like that um yeah. in and its way know. of its approach you won't know and no. so I'm very careful with um you know in my in my natural birth course I give all the different options on how you can cope with labor and what kind of you know you will know when you're in there what kind of tone you need to bring right yeah and to be open with that so I do I do know about hypnobirthing and I actually uh, learned some some techniques from there as a midwife and did a hypnobirthing kind of practitioner course but I do find that it's not really always fully um no it depends on the person yeah 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 and that's like you're not going to know that until you step into the hospital and then you don't want to be feeling conscious of like people you know you're being too noisy or yeah. Whereas I, I didn't obviously have that because it wasn't being like that, but I can imagine people would. And then it would really, yeah, you're not going to be able to birth that baby if you can't, you know, vocalize if yeah, you need you have to. to. You have to go fully with what you're feeling, your own intuition, yeah. your own gut feeling, whatever comes through. You know, for some, it's just that like they can't be quiet. They have to sound. Yeah. And that can be a low sound. It can be a roar. You know, it can be all kinds of things. Yeah. But that's their natural way of birthing, you know. And for some so, like you, you know, I've had plenty of women just like you. They're fully quiet breathing and internalizing. And that's their way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's crazy how different it is for mm. everyone, isn't it? Yeah. We're all yeah. so unique. Yeah. Um, so if you had a first time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience what advice and pearls of wisdoms would you give to her um I think what I would say is trust your body because you trusted it this far to sort of create this baby within you so just trust it to birth your baby um because you know this is bigger than anyone this is bigger than you it's bigger than anyone it's evolution and it's kind of your body's going to go with it whether you like it or not so I think uh, just get prepared for the ride beautiful and would you recommend anything is there anything that you feel like yeah you would say to a first-time mom like I think this could really assist you any research you did for example or anything that helped you I think um just do as much research, um, especially on the gestational diabetes. Um, and just as uh, what I was, what I did a lot was if I'd go in and have the conversations with the consultants, with the midwives, and it was like a negative outcome, then just come back, <clears throat> listen, do some more research to back up what they've said. And then you think, no, just put yourself back on track. Um, because I think it's very easy that you could spiral and kind of start to follow their path. So I think everything they say, kind of like reel it back in, reset yourself and, you know, listen to positive birth stories and just believe in yourself. Um, 
because yeah it is quite kind of it can be scary from you know the way they portray it to you yeah. and it's not so yeah. I hope that if anyone has listened who has been diagnosed with gestational diabetes that they found this episode helpful and again yes the midwife's cauldron has a lot of good information and especially around gestational diabetes so do go and listen to their really informational um podcast thank you so much Tiani, for coming on the podcast it's been a pleasure having you tell your story oh thank you for having me and thank you so much for the podcast and everything Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it, leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as the natural birth podcast. Thank you for listening.